Voice Memos podcast with Jen and Myron. Hey, welcome to Voice Memos. I am Myron Clifton and my co-host is Jennifer. So Jennifer is a wonderful lady. She's originally from Wisconsin, now in California, flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named Mojito that I call Beast. She's a great sister, daughter, and a great friend. And uh, she is my co-host. Hey, Jennifer. Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me. So I lied. <laughs> this is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out is how he raises his daughter, Leah. Well, 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 I mean, on all your adventures and tahoe and New York, I don't, I think I'm too rich for this podcast. I think you're too rich for this podcast. <laughs> you know what? I was staying at my uncle's or his, his wife's family. It's not even a cabin. It's a home in uh, Tahoe and living like uh, the others, the other half lives, not me. Like the other half, because they even have like this little home section. Um, they have a private beach. Oh my god! Like it's, so it's it's roped off. That's exclusive to the homes in this little community, and there are only sixty of these homes. <laughs> right? I mean, that is some man. The beach is private, and it's right next door to like the Hyatt or something like that. And you see all those people, and that's also a private beach. And you just think, man. There are people who live a whole different life than, you know, what I know and what I'm used to. Listen, I, I, it's one of those things where in life, you don't know what you know, what you're missing until you see something. I was watching, it was, it was one of the Real Housewives. It, it probably was Beverly Hills and it was Heather Dubrow, whose husband is like this big famous uh, plastic surgeon. He's on a show called Botched and okay. They were building this house. And let me tell you, the end result of this house is beyond spectacular, whatever. But I didn't realize during all of her shopping and buying all her stuff for her house that this bitch found a place that makes ice cubes as your initials. Uh, what? <laughs> so when an ice cube came out, it had D for Dubois. Now, <laughs> I, yeah. I said... That shit, you could do that. That is when I realized I am at a whole level of poor that I didn't know I, I'm i poor. <laughs> <laughs> the ice cubes. So she has a, a monogrammed ice cube maker. Yes. You know what? I had to, so I have an ice cube story. So my refrigerator, which is about 20 years old, the ice maker stopped working about 10 years ago and i had gone through these things trying to repair it and fix the water line and all this kind of crap and eventually i just i gave up so i just stopped having ice and then about a year ago 
my daughter Leah was like, oh, dad, I really wish I had get a new refrigerator where you can get some ice again. <clears throat> so I did a little Amazoning um, and found a little ice maker at Target. So I go to Target. It's just a little, it's like a bread box, a bread making machine. And you just plug it in, put a little water in, and it makes ice. And ice cubes are little round little ice cubes. And if you leave it on, I mean, it makes ice pretty quickly, and the little ice cubes. And it takes about 10 minutes for the first batch, but they're sort of thin and watery. But after about an hour, you have a full bucket of ice. So that's all just to say, I went through all that. I could have had monogrammed ice that was shaped like an M. <laughs> exactly. That's it's funny because you think about um, you think about I watched that show Loot with um, it's on Apple TV and it is the one from Saturday Night Live. Um, not Mira, Myra, what is her name? Um, shoot, it's gonna. I'm so mad that I can't think of it. She's she is on this show called Loot, which is really so. Uh great Maya Maya Rudolph Maya Rudolph thank yes. you finally helping me with something so um <clears throat> Maya is the uh he's she's married to someone like a Jeff Bezos and they get divorced so she gets 80 billion dollars oh, and so she's nice. she's trying to work on philanthropy and you know have give back to the community and she didn't even know that she had this um nonprofit organization so she goes to work there and as i watch this show they actually film it in this house that was the biggest house built in the united states and it was called the the one originally when it was built like 200 it cost 285 million or something to build this house and they filmed it in that and as i was thinking i did a tour of it on youtube i was just looking at how many different there's like 46 bathrooms and 24 bedrooms. Yeah. There is a hair salon, full service salon. There's a candy room. There is a nightclub. There is a bowling alley. Like the list goes on. And there's a track outside that I think uh, a, a running track. And I was just thinking to myself, that's not a house. That's a fucking resort. Like you could right? turn that into a resort. Oh my God. That is insane. That's too much. That's too, too much. much. Too much. She had like 50 staff members oh. on the show. She has like 50 staffers, you know, from chefs to cleaning to cook. I mean, it's incredible. And I was thinking that whole time, never in my life have I experienced a situation in which money was no object. Like never, like never, never. Right. That's that. That's insane. You know what? That reminds me of when I think, I think it was Bill Gates when before he was married he was building a mansion up in Washington somewhere um, where Microsoft is um, headquartered. So somewhere outside Seattle or something, right? And it was it was massive. And it was going to be, you know, Bill Gates, all high tech and for the time and all this kind of crap. And I, I forget the size and the number of bedrooms and all this kind of stuff. But so he was having this built. But then before it was finished, he got engaged to his wife, who he eventually divorced all these years later. Um, not as a little sidebar, she wasn't happy about him being on those Jeffrey Epstein flights. So I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> anyway, so he got engaged. I think it's Melinda. It's his, it was his, his, his now ex-wife. He got engaged to Melinda and, uh, and they were getting married 
And then she looked at the house that was being built and it wasn't wasn't finished and everything. And she was like, you know, that's nice. However, we should do this. And that that little bit right there, we should do this. Something like doubled the size. Oh my God. So the, the mega mansion he was building that was already in the news for how big it was and how much stuff it had, like, like what you're talking about on loot, she came in and had a whole other view of things. And I don't know if she doubled it or if they doubled it, but it got massively bigger uh, with, with her input. Wow. I, you know, it's, it's funny when you think about, you know, we're comfortable, we have a roof over our heads, you know, all the simple things in life, we have a car to drive and we can afford to put some gas in our tank, maybe not fill it up, but you know what I mean? Um, and you, you just think about the excessive amount of money that people have, and you don't hear a lot of things that they do outside of the last, I know, um, I know Bill Gates, his wife does a lot of community stuff or nonprofit yes. stuff. I know that Jeff Bezos ex-wife, I don't want to say Jeff Bezos ex-wife. I can't think of her name. So I apologize. I should be, I should know her name. She's one yes. of the richest women in the world. Yes. Um, and she does a lot of nonprofit. Her, I, her, goal is to give away most of her money because you know you you can't spend that type of money in your life and when we think about how cheap some people are uh i do want i do want to circle back to cheapness and your ice maker and how instead of just getting your refrigerator fixed you found a <laughs> you found a band-aid but let me just tell you so every sunday i go to my mom and dad's house because they have a pool and i just love spending time with them we laugh you know we we joke we talk about serious stuff we have good conversation and i swear every sunday oh let's just say every sunday for the sake of this conversation, they'll, my parents listen to our podcast on Fridays nice. and nice. on Sunday, we talk about it and they'll make little comments or they'll bring up something, um, you know, funny that was said in our conversations. And so my dad without fail will bring up every week that I see him and you're mentioned, he's like, man, I helped Myron put in that sink and he just did not want to do a nicer sink. He said, <laughs> <laughs> He said his, da- his daughter don't care. Just give me the cheapest thing. That is so damn funny. <laughs> Every Sunday I talk to him, he'll bring up, man, I remember. I'm like, man, Myron, this is only like $20 more. Nah, my daughter don't care. My daughter don't care. We, we don't need all that. We need the basics. You know what? Oh. I may be cheap, but that to fix my refrigerator was hundreds of dollars to get that ice little ice machine from Target was about $49, $50. (laughs) Do you still have it? Yeah, I use it every day. I love it. Okay, all right, okay, fair enough, all right. Do you- Uh, um, Wait a minute, before you go on, just for the record, her name is, um, I looked her up, Mackenzie Scott was once married to Jeff Bezos. Mackenzie Scott, okay, because now he's married to a Melinda, right? Is that her name? Um, I don't know. Oh, no, no, you're right, Mackenzie. I was Jeff Bezos, I was thinking, I'm sorry, I was thinking Bill Gates. Yes. So anyway, we're giving her props. And she is, um, they say she is giving away her billions at the fastest rate of any billionaire ever. I mean, she's not going to spend it. There's no, she could take a billion dollars and still not have $1 billion left and still not be able to spend that. That's, that's exactly right. And um, the way, the way money makes money, even though she's giving away record amounts of her billions, she is worth more than she ever was. Wow. 
that 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 that's how much money billions um, is, right? It, it's so much. It's really it's really hard to fathom how much billions. It's just it's so much more than millions. And we think of millionaires, millionaires, but then when you think of billionaires, it's a whole other level. It, it, you have thirteen billion dollars. That's as, that's the amount of time how far back we're going into space to see those galaxies. Right? You can have a dollar for every year of the universe's existence. Oh my God. That's incredible if you put it in that perspective. Right. And most of us have a dollar for about a month. (laughs) (laughs) I know my ex-husband would have a hundred dollars in his pocket that he got, I don't know, maybe six months ago. And he would still have um, cobwebs that would come out of his wallet when when somebody wanted him to pay for something. <laughs> uh, exactly. So so I was up in Tahoe. Elian and I were up in Tahoe, and we was there. We were there for about for a weekend, and it was really nice weather. Like I was saying, we we're on this on this private beach most of the time. But there was also a time we decided to go into um, or town, but it's really just um, Kings Beach. And that was on a Saturday. So it's hot in Sacramento, right? Like 180 degrees or something. And then Lake Tahoe is an escape place for Sacramentans and Bay Area people. So we, it's just like a two mile drive from where we were to get to Kings Beach because we wanted to go to a couple of shops, get some food and this kind of stuff. But it took two hours there and back just wow. because there were so many people there. That's crazy, huh? I, I mean, you look around and we're in this place of just some normalcy coming back to, you know, from outdoor concerts. And I, I was at a work picnic this past Friday. So it was the first time I've seen most of my coworkers since we sheltered in place and we all started working from home. And it took me a while to really absorb the fact that there was over a hundred people. We were outside at a picnic. It still was overwhelming to be around that many people. Right. I can't believe your company did a, company picnic in the Sacramento heat, excuse me, outside and in, you know, COVID and stuff. That's crazy. It was 104. Oh my God. And, and sir, they, I, you know, I wore just a cute little um, romper and I had my hair up and of course I put a little bit of mascara on and some blush and they had activities, AKA potato sack races and shit. No. I just, I pretend I didn't get a flag. I was just like, oh, I didn't get a bandana. I don't, I, I can't ban anybody's team. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. You can, you can put it on a schedule that, you know, July 1st through September 30th, Sacramento is hot as hell. It's hot as hell. Right? Like why do an outdoor, okay, it's one thing to do like a picnic. You just have some food, you have some, some, not tents, but like some kind of umbrellas and that kind of stuff. That's one thing. But when you add in physical activities that, you know what, I'm complaining to HR. That's <laughs> that's, a, that's a, that's a, that is a ambulance ride waiting to happen. Yes, that is crazy. <laughs> Who wants to do that? Oh, yeah, but God. it was good to see all my folks and, you know, catch up a little bit. They tried to go in for a hug and I was like, oh, what are you doing? Sit down. We do a little fist bump here and I can wave to you from a distance. I don't I don't need to be up in your personal space or you in mine. Back off. You know, sir, before we even continue on some of the topics that we want to discuss this week, I want to circle back on two things from last week. Um, one is, you know, 
last week I talked about the different sort of foods and I talked about, I was doing some ginger and, and some inflammation stuff and really focusing on, I use the word wellness. And as you know, I have a sister who is all about, um, intuitive eating, body image, um, living in your body, accepting your body. And then the societal influences that are put specifically it's on anybody, but it seems highly, highly, um, what's the word? It's more geared towards women. So if you think about having this perfect thing and you're trying, you see somebody do something, so you try it and you don't have the same result. We're in constant battle with trying to be what society tells us we should look like. And so when I was talking to my sister, she, you know, she reiterated to me and said, listen, those different drinks that you're trying, um, it's important that people realize that those are foods and drinks that I enjoy. It doesn't make it any more healthy or unhealthy um, to be a vegan or not be a vegan. Or if you want to try ginger or you don't want to try ginger, I think I made the error using the word wellness um, when Mm. really health and wellness is whatever word you want to use. So it's my interpretation of my anatomy, right? So that's my sister educating me. And, and for her, her, her and I have a lot of discussions around it. Cause you know, there's always body dysmorphia, there's body images. You know, we, we have probably weekly conversations on it. I have the same dialogue with girlfriends. And so I literally learn. I am, she's educating me on how fucked up our diet culture is. I learn more every day about autonomy, uh, food that makes me feel good. And, and you know what, the biggest thing is having to privilege to have access to those foods, you know, like that, I was going to ask you about that because, um, last week after the call or sometime in the last week or so, Elian and I were talking about veganism and from, we followed up the conversation you and I were having on the podcast. And then we were talking about veganism and then she posed a really good question to me. I'm going to pose it to you. And that is, the question is, veganism has some eliteness to it, that there are people, whether in the States or other places around the world, um, their only source of food is meat. Yep. That's, that's what they can get. And so some people say, well, um, whether it's veganism or even, or even vegetarian or even just getting access to fruits and vegetables, because we have what are called food deserts in this country. Um, and not everybody can go to Whole Foods and buy organic lettuce. A lot of people just have the corner liquor store or bodega in New York, and you get what you get, that whatever is there. And, and when you're poor, for another example, I was watching, we were watching a commercial. You can go to Burger King and you can get burger, fries, nuggets, and, and a soda for $5. And you can't get fresh fruits and vegetables for that. And if you have a family, you can't get, it's not the same, but people who have money, middle-class people can then say, I, I thought of that type of eating. Instead, I'm going to do this type of eating and then use that to say, you, you should also eat like this, even though if you're poor, you don't have access or money for that kind of stuff. So people, there are people who say, and this is what Elliot was asking me, isn't it elitism to say everyone should be vegan or vegetarian? 
I think that's a really interesting, there's so much to unpack there. And I'll tell you a couple layers of that. First, in regards to keeping keeping poor people poor, keeping them in, there's a, there's a documentary. It was only on for one day. It was called, they're keeping us, they're keeping, they're, they're killing us slowly or something along those lines, or they're keeping us um, to, they're keeping us to die or something that had to do with, to your point about um, certain um, demographics and areas in which, you know, you don't have access, just like that shooting that happened in, um, in New York or was yeah. Uh, that that grocery store, the next access of a grocery store was quite a few miles away from that. Remember that? Yes, yes, yes. Um, in Buffalo. In Buffalo, yes. yes so that community that. Had, had worked for years to get a grocery store in that community. Um, and that kid, well, he wasn't a kid, that young man that shot it up. And I have to check to see if it has reopened. But the nearest, other nearest grocery store was bus rides away. It was a long way. So yes, that that issue. Yeah, and I think so. There's definitely that layer. I, you know, I talked about it a little bit last time too, in regards to the oppression, because it's just the oppression of just the environment. And I have I actually follow a few um, uh, vegan influencers that talk specifically about just the demographic and not being able to afford it. And if you break down some certain things, I, I've, I've shopped, I've followed people that go as a vegan, um, you know, rice and beans, pasta, all those things you can find at any store, right? All of those are sourced to protein, easy to make, don't need a lot to use to cook them, right? I can open a can of black beans and eat them right out of, out of the can. I think what happens is there is a layer of um, human beings, you know, privileged human beings that will start to show you glamorous foods that are vegan and the thought process of me as a vegan, that's what I have to eat and that's what I have to make in order to be vegan. And that's not necessarily the case. So the education piece comes with, you know, how can we take every demographic and make it affordable. And yes, you can get rice and beans and you can get some fruits and vegetables. You can get a banana at the grocery store, right? So I think what we have to do and what I have to do is remember that even if I'm talking about veganism and my recipes, that there needs to be a layer of different um, uh, ingredients associated with that to make it, hey, if you have the privilege to buy this, you can make this. If you don't have the privilege, here's another vegan recipe. We don't do that enough in society where it starts to scare people because I don't have access to do it. And you know what? I've talked to farmers galore. You don't need organic foods. Let me just tell you, a farmer will tell you there's no such thing as organic as organic foods. Don't waste your money on it. And I think that's another education piece as well. And yeah, honestly, sir, if I, if, if someone was to ask me and I don't get asked it a lot, I get asked if someone asks me, why did I go vegan? That's it, it's, it's funny how it doesn't come up because sometimes I don't think people want to know the answer or maybe yeah. they're afraid to ask. But for me, again, to my sister's point, wellness and my health and trying cool foods, um, that's a privilege to me to get, you know, some of those foods. Um, I went because I saw a video um, and if, if you don't like or want to have the visual, please turn off the podcast just for a second. Um, I saw the visual of a whore, of a of a cow um, on a farm just being picked up by, uh, sorry, a pig being picked up 
and dropped alive in scalding hot water. And the idea behind that is that it's easier to get the flesh off of the pig. And the minute I saw that, I, first of all, I haven't ate pork since I've probably been 12. But then once you see one of those videos, you start getting inundated with other videos. And the amount of cruelty that continued to happen made me realize that one time that I will never be a tomb for a living being. I will never let my body you know, showcase or, or carry a carcass in my body. It's just I, anything with a face, I don't want to, I don't want to have part of any living sentient being. That's the reason why I did it. Now, I don't want to get, I don't want to waste all our podcast on this, but I'll use an example of a gentleman that I follow, um, Dom Z Thompson. He's mm. my boyfriend, but he doesn't know it. Um, and he lives in Atlanta <laughs> and he was actually incarcerated. Oh, wow. And during his incarceration, um, he was vegetarian prior to that, but it, as he was incarcerated, he became vegan. He started swapping out his meat protein and, and trading it with the prisoners for their carbs. Wow. So if you can, in a, in a prison environment, make the choices of grabbing some bread or having some pasta and, and doing that, you do have access to it. It's, do you want to have access to that food? Because most people will say, well, that's not as good as my burger from Burger King, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Those Burger King burgers are pretty bad. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even remember the last time I have. No, I haven't always been vegan. I've only been vegan. This will be started my fifth year and a couple of months will be my fifth year as a vegan. So I had the meat. I had the cheese. I literally, um, I, I lived in this place that I didn't, I didn't know what was going on behind the curtain. I had yeah. no idea because we don't teach that. No, we don't. And so that and actually, that's a really good point, because as um, when America was an agri uh, a farming nation where a significant portion of the um, population were farms and slaves, <clears throat> um, people knew uh, how the sausage was made, as, as they say, you know, you, how animals were slaughtered and so forth. And then when America went to um, the Industrial Revolution, not just America, but a different place around the world, when you go to the Industrial Revolution and people move away from farms into cities, and now you're in a city, whether you're in a home or an apartment or whatever it is, you don't have farmland. And so now you have to go somewhere to get your food. You're not in a rural community raising your meat, raising your vegetables, and tending your fruit trees. You are in trading with your, your close neighbors. You are now in a place where you have to go buy this stuff. So farming became, and so then, then you combine that with, with people living longer and the population explosion. So now instead of having, you know, 100 million or 50 to 80 million people living in the nation where a significant portion are living in and around farms, and farm labor, now you have 300 million people with the vast majority living in and around a city and farms having decreased by something like 80%. So then during that time, um, the industrial revolution, they went back to the farms and said, we have to make the farms more efficient, grow more food, fruits, vegetables, and meat because people were eating meat and people have money to buy meat. So once people start getting money, people said they want meat. Like that, that was what 
was uh, a differentiator between being poor and not being poor. You can eat meat. So, So then the farms had to become more efficient. So science put their minds to work to say, how can we make this farm more efficient? So first it was just machinery because you didn't have all those people. So you have machinery to do it. And then science went a little further and said, well, you know what? We can breed animals faster and we can make animals bigger, right? And we can make fruit bigger and we can make vegetables bigger and we can make the, the, the soil turn over quicker than just as nature would have it. And all this stuff went into it. And then, then what happened, you see with population went from 50 million, 100 million, 300 million and lives started living longer or people started living longer and it all just self-perpetuated itself. But now, <clears throat> excuse me, we see there are other problems, right? You start feeding all these animals um, um, antibodies. Yep. And those antibodies get into our systems and they make us resistant to antibiotics. And as we get sick, antibiotics aren't as effective as they were. And hospitals become danger zones. Yep. So, right, and then, uh, and then we know, because uh, scientists check um, the water that comes out of toilets, what's in the system of people that we are, you know, we're, we're, we're peeing and pooping, like what's in our systems. And there's a whole lot, not just um, what we call class one felony drugs, but prescription drugs, antibiotics, and scientists are saying we all have a lot of plastic in our systems. So, so there are some drawbacks to the industrial revolution and overproduction of meats and farms and the grounds becoming not as productive because we put so much chemicals in them and all that. And so we in America, because we are along with some other nations are what are called advanced, we can figure out ways as individuals like you or like, like your sister is saying to modify our diets to become better or healthier, whatever it is. But you go to a nation like say Pakistan, where you still have, you know, there's a billion people and a significant number, it's something like 40 or 50% are still rural and what we would consider poor and they want some meat. And so it's very elitist of it. Now, not, I'm not even now talking about one American to the next, but it's, it's Americans to other parts of the world. And that's very similar to how we are saying, oh, everybody should cut their pollution. And you should, you know, you should save, you know, the environment. You should do all, and all those things are true. But all these other nations who, um, who, who don't pollute at our levels, but but they want all these things that that we we push out to the world. You know, bigger and better cars, more electronics, more, you know, all this stuff. They come back and say that you hear this at United Nations debates. You without all these things, and now you're telling us we shouldn't do all these things. So you, we get a lot of pushback on us saying we can live at this standard of living and no one else should live at this standard of living because it's harmful for the environment. But in America, no one's giving up anything. Nothing. And, you know, I think I remember there's two, two that are, your statistics on that and, and your insight is I love it. I, I, I get excited hearing that kind of stuff because, listen, the poorest people in the world eat the least amount of animal products that we can we can we can do some research and I can share some insights on that because because simply rice and beans and potatoes and greens grown in a backyard are the cheapest foods around. The yeah. only it's only the richest nations on Earth where the poor are too poor to not eat meat. So 
And, and I will say our government plays a big role in this because you know that our American government, and this probably changed since the last time I looked, they subsidize about $38 billion a year for meat and dairy products, but only like 0.04 um, of that is subsidized for fruits and vegetables. Wow. So when you're talking about capitalism and making money here in America, the, the health of the country is never is never taken into consideration. You know what? You made me think of, um, I think I may have shared this with you sometime in the last couple of months. Um, there was a, a famous photograph of um, uh, Western America, like during the eight, late 1800s or something like that. And how for the, the expansion of America West, one of the, um, from the colonizer standpoint, one of the obstacles was indigenous people like they wanted all this land and so once they found out that uh, uh many indigenous people um uh, hunted and used uh, buffalo meat as a source of protein and um uh clothing and things like that the u.s government said well kill all the buffaloes you cut off their meat supply they'll die out and there and there's a picture of these, these men standing in front of thousands of dead buffalo. And I think the, the science says, or historians say that the US expansion um, and the program to kill the buffaloes to wipe out, to help wipe out Native Americans, they killed something like a hundred million buffaloes in just, a, just, I shouldn't say a few years, but like 20, 30 years or something. And that was a significant portion, um, significant, um, um, driver of the decimation of various native native crowds and so native um, people, and so that wasn't even all just to eat. That was just to kill buffaloes. And so now, when you see these, you know, there's buffalo and Yellowstone and things like that. The American buffalo has made a comeback because of because the government finally, like in the 40s or 50s or whatever it was, said, "Oh, let's preserve this animal. You know, let's protect this animal." And so now we do have the buffaloes back, but but that was a whole different angle to it. So it was almost like forced veganism, right? They're like, we're going to steal your source of protein. We're not still going to kill your source of protein to wipe, to help wipe you off, off the face of this God. nation. That's crazy. Huh? Fucking colonizers, man. <laughs> I, you know, I thought, <clears throat> I thought of that because there's those videos going around of people at Yellowstone messing with those buffaloes and buffaloes are just trampling them. <laughs> yes. I was like, what are you doing? Get out. Do you know how massive that thing is? Oh, and those sir, are like 20,000 pounds or whatever. They are massive. <laughs> they don't want, don't be, you know, your toxic trait might be thinking you could pet them. No, you can't. No. And you know, you said antibiotics, 80% of the antibiotics that are produced in the country are fed to animals. So 80% of the biotics that are created are given to animals. So not only are you talking about antibiotics, you're also talking about um, you're also talking about um, hormone injections to plump up meat faster. So if you think about when I was a kid, I don't remember many girls having big bosoms or big butts and they weren't like thicker. And as I look at some girls, sometimes I don't even realize they're only in eighth grade. And I attribute that now, no scientific base. Don't come at me. I attribute that to what's put into food, especially, um, uh, especially animals um, that are fed to that are fed to kids so I, I think there's a bunch of layers and to circle back final thought on it so we don't have to berate it because you know we keep things shallow um uh, 
is that I don't, I, I think when you talk about society and it being, what's the word that you and Ileana used, a privilege or um, elitist, elitist, yeah. I, I think that the education is missing to understand that it's really not that you can find your source of food in things that are common in almost every corner store you can go into. Uh, it's just a matter of the missing piece of education that's taught in schools. When you have a health class or a home ex class, there's no discussion around food, the value of food, how you can make food, where you can find food. Um, I, I, I think it's there. We just, in some instances, don't know how to find it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think it's, I think both those things are true because, like, when I was growing up in Oakland, we didn't have yards to garden. Like, we couldn't, no, we couldn't garden, and and we did have like a little like well, we called a liquor store, but they were sort of like a convenience. They now call them convenience stores, but they were liquor stores back in the day. Um, same stores, but um, so there are ways to get um, less meat in our diets. And more everything else. I agree with that. And we, though we are a nation trained on meat, though I read an article, I think I told you this, I read an article, I think it was Science Magazine. And it was um, about that there are now, that the world could today eliminate eating meat and still get all the protein we need. And the science behind that says we have the greatest abundance of bugs, insects. <laughs> right? the insects have protein and there is science to make that, put that protein together and make it taste like what we want it to taste like because we have you know, the science behind that. And there's a never, there's more insects than anything on this planet. And there's a never ending supply of that. And they're all over the world. And um, there's one, the, the scientist writing this was saying that the only issues you have then is what do you do with all the animals, right? Because we have grown, right? We farm animals. Um, so there's that, but this scientist says you can work that out in a 10 or 20 year period. However, he said it won't be done because like we were just discussing, um, there are industries all over the world that's just in business to sell meat. And capitalism says, if there's a market for something, whether it's meat or milk or cocaine, then someone's going to produce it so someone can get it. You're right. They're going to find it somehow, right? And we're seeing an inflation that meat has gone up in price quite significantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think I saw an 18% increase in, in wow. meat product, you know, meat purchases. So yeah, I think there's a lot of there, there's a lot of, I mean, we could talk, I could talk about this all day, but we're not going to do that because we're not supposed to, um, <laughs> because I think there's so many different layers when you talk about uh, just my choice. And to my sister's point of like, yes. I'm choosing to do what's right for me. It's not right, wrong, or indifferent. It, it's not, I never chose or do veganism for any health reasons or any wellness reasons. I do like to experiment with different foods and then do research on what those foods have scientifically um, can help with a body situation. So say if I want to talk about inflammation, well, studies show that avocados, berries, um, uh, amino acids, all that will help with your inflammation. I'm not saying that it might work for you, but it might work for somebody. And so that's what I'm doing and why I wanted to circle back to that because I don't want that to be Oh, if I want to, if I want to have some wellness in my life, I better start making that drink because she said it's supposed to be healthy. 
you know what? What's interesting is I just thought about this. So I'm make like teachers say, I'm going to make a connection that if you were like the religious right in this country, you would be working to demand that there are laws in the books that no one can eat meat. Yes. <laughs> right. That's what the religious right does. They say, this is our belief. Our belief is yeah. that, right. Our belief is every kid, regardless of their own religion, their family's religion should be required to pray in school. Yeah. No woman should be allowed to have an abortion, no matter what the reason is. Everyone should be able to buy a gun, no matter the age. Everyone should be able to drive without a license. Everyone should be able to smoke if they want to smoke, mm. regardless of the age. And, and not only do we believe that, we're going to go to Congress and we're going to pass a law to make this the law of the land for all, every American. See, yeah. so if you were... If you were like them, that's what you or the vegan lobby would be doing. When really you have the answer right there. You said, I think this is right for me. Yep. And I do my research and I want to, whether it's, whether it's my religion, whether it's my personal belief, whether it's for inflammation or health reasons or more reasons, it doesn't even matter. You just said, you want to do that for you. And you didn't say, I want everyone to do this. It'd be nice but I'm not going to force, try to force everyone to do this. I'm not a zealot. Like one of those people that are just, <laughs> I'm not a zealot. And right. you know, there right now you talk about animals. What, what would we do with all the animals? I mean, the mass production, there's 2 billion cows. So if you think about how many cows there are, they're not good for the planet at all. I mean, so once we put an end to that, to animal agriculture, we stop the breeding and we stop and we give them sanctuary to live their lives because now we have the land to do so. So um, I, know, I, I'll tell you, uh, I think, I, again, because we talk about a lot of stuff through the years, I've read this, um, sometimes I, I, I fall into these, like a lot of people, these, these, um, these, these long spiral bunny trails about issues. And one was, it was a philosophical discussion around it was around animals, it was producing animals like we do now. Those billion, those millions of cows you were talking about. And yeah. the question was, it was about chickens, but the same thing applies. Does that animal uh, want to be alive, even though it was pure, it was just born to be food for something else? Mm-hmm. Like, like if that animal had a choice, would it prefer never to have been born to be alive to have life or would it prefer to have life even though that span is going to be short in a cage and just food for somebody else oh my god i know that's wild i was just you know egghead philosophical questions and and so they extrapolated that to humans they go well you know what you you can say that about a human does a human uh unborn human a deserve to be born but but b if it knows it's going to have a horrible existence, right? Just running down this high, highway, jogging, and someone kidnaps them and, you know, that's unalives them. Yep. What, what, if it had a choice, what would it choose to do? And wow. I, I don't know. I don't know. That's insane. That, right? I mean, I yikes. I, I, I was trying to think about if there's any you know, I know we always talk about TV and, and things come circle back. I, I, I was thinking about, um, you know, you, watch, you ever watch that? You ever seen those movies, Purge? The yes, Purge? The, yeah, okay. the Purge movies. Yes. There are times where I wish we had that. <laughs> 
because philosophically to your point about you know would you want to live i think about that that show took me a while to like process a little bit because i thought wow the the 24 hours to be able to wreak havoc in a society that you're pissed off with and that you have so much anger towards, especially when it comes to like animal cruelty or child abuse or anything that you just wish, especially if anybody goes free. Um, I didn't think I was going to like, and I purged on all of them. I mean, I literally. (laughs) That's so fun. Yeah. Those movies, you know what? They sort of draw upon, like you're saying, some of our like basis, instincts like i would like to get a little revenge on and not even think about it literally to have guilt free because i couldn't imagine taking a knife into someone's flesh like the thought of that doesn't it doesn't settle well with me but to have one day to be able to go after you know i saw this guy who set a dog on fire in tennessee and uh lit it put gasoline on it and then lit it on fire and let the dog walk away from it oh god and Immediately, I went, this is why we need a purge. This is why. That guy right there. <laughs> exactly. I want the, and those Sesame Street characters. I don't know. Have you seen those little Sesame Place, um, those uh, costumes, those guys? So there was a story going around. And d- did you see it with the um, oh, kids at Sesame Heartbreak. Place? Heartbreak. <laughs> Heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. They would be purged. They would be purged. That kid in that costume would be purged. You know what? I have I have a neighbor on my block who for maybe 15 years, every Friday, they take their car out of their driveway and they park it in front of my house. Oh hell a purge. Right. <laughs> right. And I don't even care why. <laughs> you know what? You parked there for 15 years. This is the payback. This is it, man. Your, your time is over. <laughs> now, this is just for com- comedic purposes on this right. podcast in case anybody thinks happens to that neighbor. <laughs> right. Right. Let's just do a disclaimer that we do, we do we are nonviolent people. We do not mean any harm to anybody. Yep. Except that guy in Tennessee who set that dog on fire. And I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll say that over and over again. Um, sir, are you? Yeah. You and I last week talked about a couple shows and I said I was going to start. I didn't know if I was going to start it or not, but there's a show on Apple TV called Blackbird. I, have not, I don't even think I've heard of that. Okay. So the concept of this movie is a guy who's a drug dealer, fairly good looking. He finally gets busted by the DEA and FBI and they arrest him and he's going to take a plea deal, but they they lie to him and actually send him away to prison for 10 years. But this guy is pretty charming. He gets, he's, he's one of those people that observes and listens and then will use that information. Like he gathers information, just a very charming guy. And so the FBI agent says to him, and this is based on a true story. The FBI agent says they're trying to, they, they caught a serial killer who was now deemed that maybe he was coerced into giving a confession that maybe he's a little slow or something, but he killed like they think about 14 people and they want to keep him in prison. So they use this gentleman that got 10 years for drugs, for dealing drugs. 
they use him and say, we'll get you, you'll get your prison sentence removed of 10 years. If you can befriend this gentleman in this psychiatric prison um, to get him to confess where the other bodies are. Oh my God. So it's based on a true story. There's only, I think the fourth episode comes on Saturday or the 22nd. So there's only three episodes out there right now, but I am telling you, I am just sucked into it. It's pretty, and I don't want to look at, I don't want to look at any, you know, because it's a true story. I don't want to look at how it ends. So I haven't, I haven't done any research on it, but right now it is highly, highly recommended. Where is that streaming? That's on Apple TV. Okay, that's an Apple TV. Okay, and it's called uh, what's it called again? Blackbird. Ooh. Yeah. Okay, that's a good one. What What else you watching? You know what? I have I've I've just been on my Big Brother kick and my Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Dubai, and I'm the Dubai one. I'm 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 at my wit's end. I I feel like I'm watching it just because I've committed to seven episodes uh-huh. already. But man, the cast is not keeping me engaged at all. Okay, the Beverly Hills one, I think, um, because uh, Eliana watches all the housewives, and so sometimes I get to watch some with her. And the 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 Beverly Hills one, I believe, has this lady who has a voice that makes you want to shoot the TV. Um, I mean, so, probably- <laughs> okay, so she, I think she's always drunk. She's, um, she's a white lady. She's, she's thin and she, um, she has a lot of like um, facial surgeries and lips and everything, but her voice talks like she probably has smoked five sack packs of cigarettes a day. Well, <laughs> and that's you know a- <laughs> so I, the only person I could think of Erica, her name Erica is Jane. Her. No, no, Erica's her name. Erica Jane. Oh, Erica Jane, that's her name. She is. I what is what is wrong with her? Well, and she's missing. So this is this is the, the lady that husband was um was convicted, not convicted, sorry, arrested for allegedly taking money from victims of a plane crash that died, I think, and, and keeping all the money that was supposed to go to the family. What the f- so that's what he's been accused of so erica jane was just a lot two seasons ago just i mean it that's all they talked about on the show well this year but they're not really talking so much about what's going on with her ex-husband tom because she had this really highfalutin lifestyle private planes a major house i mean a glam squad which i still think she has um but now she's on xanax or some sort of medication and then she's been drinking more so she's become a mess this season. Yes, I saw the episode where the teenager was doing something in the little room and she told him to fuck, get the fuck out. Oh my God. And you know what? That episode, okay, let me, I know, I know we're going to, okay. So let me tell you something about last week, you and I had the conversation about, you know, you throwing my phones into the car and running away. Right. And I made a statement to you and I said, that really got me thinking. You know, my white privilege sitting here like, wow, I should start asking questions of why um, my best friend ran away and then telling me because he doesn't want to get arrested. Like, what the fuck was that about? So (laughs) how I worded that, I did not like myself for that statement afterwards. And it got me watching on this episode, the the Beverly Hills episode. There was a scene where Erica Jane, she's the one that told the kid to get the fuck out of there. Okay. um, She was apologizing. 
And she was telling um, the mother of that child, Garcelle, she was telling her that, you know, I'm so sorry. It was inappropriate. Um, and your kids are just so well-spoken. Oh my God. <laughs> so I realized at that moment, okay, first of all, being a white woman and, and seeing that it triggered me to think, would you have said that to any other fucking kid on that show that other than the black woman's son? No, she wouldn't have. She wouldn't have. That wouldn't have even been a conversation. So mm. I wanted to circle back that that was a learning experience for me last week stating that because what that event did for me was not, it didn't make me like, oh, should I, should I dig into more racism? What it, what it made me do was be aware of my surroundings and be more in tune with situations that arise and use my voice to speak up when, when I can. That's all it did. It didn't, it wasn't like, it, it's not like one of those white women that say, can you tell me, can you tell me how I can be better at being an advocate for you? Like, yeah. bullshit, you're, you shouldn't be doing any work for me. I should be doing all the work. It's not your responsibility is what I wanted to say. Yeah, that's good. So, um, so I would say for some of our listeners that a, a trope, a stereotypical trope is, is uh, one of them, or well, there's a billion, but one of them, a racial stereotypical trope is a white person saying to a black person, either about them or in that case, it was about her son, that you are articulate. Um, and so why that is offensive, and we say that's very racist, is what you're telling us is you didn't even expect us to be able to talk. <laughs> yes. You didn't even, you didn't even think we could communicate. And so to say that we are articulate, you are saying, oh, wow, look, this, look, this, this person can actually talk. I'm very impressed. That is, that's not a compliment. So I would say to my white audience members, never say that to black people, brown people. Just don't say that. Don't okay. say that. We can talk. We can communicate. Like, don't, don't. And so her saying that about her son, like saying it to the mother, that is so offensive. Offensive. I didn't see that episode. And yeah. You know, she's lucky. It's Garcelle, you're saying. Garcelle yep. was so balanced, right? She was balanced because she didn't react to it. So I yeah. thought for sure Garcelle would say, what do, you, what do you mean he speaks well? But she didn't. She said, I appreciate you apologizing. So yeah. she didn't, she didn't. And I know, and please, you can guide me and educate me. I, I have a sneaky suspicion on some level that Garcelle didn't react because she didn't want to be the angry black woman. That's exactly it. Like you, 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 you want to, like she, as a parent, she wanted to address that with that lady because her, one of her jobs as a parent is protect her child. And she wanted to let that, she wanted to check her. Do not say this to my child. Like, don't yep. do that. And then once she said the other insult, it could just go on forever, right? And so like you said, she didn't want to get into the you know, big argument and fight. And now you're going down that road that he's articulate. Okay, you know what? Just fuck this. I, I got to nip it in the bud. You yeah, apologize. she'll see herself. Yes, you apologize. I'm going to get out of it. You know, I had an experience like I didn't, but I witnessed an experience like that uh, recently with Elian, who is, as you know, she was born in Puerto Rico and grew up in... Um, not New York City, but outside New York. And um, as many Americans, because we tend to be pretty stupid as a nation, many Americans aren't aware that Puerto Ricans are citizens. <laughs> it's crazy. 
that you were born in Puerto Rico, you are an American citizen. You're an American citizen. It is one of the last active colonies, right? And so they're citizens. They can't vote. They have taxation without representation. And there's a lot of fucked up stuff. However, they are citizens. But Americans tend to be so provincial that we just never think. And, and um, uh, an extended family member said to her, asked her, do you have dual citizenship? Oh, my God. Now, this is an educated, college-educated um, uh, professional you know, in their 50s, someone who should know better. But yet and still asked her, said to her, asked her, do you have dual citizenship? <laughs> and there was a lot of other micro and macro aggressions, but I'll just focus on that one thing that, you know, we, that it's, it's hard to explain that why, with all the education in this country, all the, the news, all the online stuff. And it, it, if my teenager said that, I would be pissed. Because I would go, you're in high school. Why don't you know that by now? But somebody in their 50s, that's crazy. Dual citizenship. That would be, then I wonder if she asks people that in Hawaii. <laughs> exactly, right? Or Alaska. Oh, my God. It just is. <sighs> so anyway, um, what else What else you watching? That's it. I've been, I've been, I started this one documentary about um psychedelics i didn't get to i started i'm 15 minutes into it and how mushrooms and lsd has helped with mental patients and has some scientific substance behind it to watch and how mushrooms can actually help with anxiety and depression and all this stuff so i started watching that and then i got distracted with something and, and didn't finish but all done blackbird loot on apple tv um, and then I'm going to start the old man because, you know, oh. I listen to Howard Stern and, uh, he also commented on how great it is because I don't, him and I don't always agree, but there's been a couple shows cause he loves hacks. I was like, all right, I'm going to give the old man a shot. And my mom, um, raves about it. So I'm going to start that next. What about I, you? So, yeah, I, I do have the old man, um, on my list. I'm going to watch that. Um, I have um, started watching, I've been marathoning or binging Snapped, Women Who Kill. Oh, Jesus. Yes. So <laughs> it is, you know. Is it a real, is it real life stories? It's real life stories. Okay. And so and some of them go back to the 80s, but most are like the 90s and the 2000s. And it's, you know, unlike Dayline or 48 Hours or 2020, Snapped is exclusively Women Who Kill. Exclusive. So I'm sort of fascinated by women who kill. Like, why do women kill? And a lot of the reasons are the same as everything, you know, money, love, ego, jealousy, you know, this kind of stuff. But it's just, I don't know, it's sort of entertaining. <laughs> wow. I hope I'm never on there. <laughs> hey, man, people be careful. And they don't always kill by gunshot. You know, they kill pretty creatively, but, and the deal is they always get caught. Like they always get caught, but it's still pretty, entertaining is not the right word. It's interesting to see these stories because it's, 
you you get to see it from a, a woman's perspective instead of a man's perspective. Like why right. did, why did this woman do this? Do this and, and and you know what? Most of the time, they are just murderers, just like men are murderers, right? There's no there's no higher moral ground they take or anything. It's just as I was saying, the same reasons, you know, sex, money, insurance, um, ego, you know, getting cheated on, being mad, this kind of deal. So, but it's still, um, it's still interesting. I, I mean, I should say entertaining because usually, you know, someone's dead, right? Um, and not that they deserve it. I want to go on that, but. <laughs> <laughs> and sir, it's funny because it's interesting to hear that show. I was talking to someone yesterday about just men and women in prison and 98% or maybe no, 93% of the federal inmates are men and only 6.8% are women. You know what? So that, we could we talk about this later about how um, that, that point right there. So if you go backwards from that, then the crime that's committed, the vast, I mean, vast majority of crime in the world, but let's just focus on America, is done by men and boys, right? It's, that's, that's it, the murders, the burglaries, the 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 um the sexual Arm robbery all that's yeah the robberies you know ninety something percent all by all by men men and boys like the problems in America and in the world it like you don't it's not even like chauvinist or anti male to say it it's just it's just a fact like that's the problem so anyway we've been I talking. do want to make that a topic for us and yes, like exactly. the coming weeks around just prison and. And you know, you yes. know, death penalty and your opinion on that and what you think about all that stuff. So we can we can talk about that. I think we have we have went shallow on a lot of topics that I, I don't think we were gonna um talk as much today. So I'm excited that we got to spend some time right. just dipping our toes in a bunch of things. Yes. So where can people find you online? Jen Van Lannan Veg on Instagram, and I believe it's Redheaded Vegan on Twitter. And yes. on TikTok, I, on TikTok, I'm Big Butt and a Smile. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, oh, and talk your shit, lady. <laughs> Where can they find you? I'm mixed. And, yes. and please tell everybody that you have your magazine coming out, I think, this week, right? Yes. So I am also a magazine um, publisher, uh, Dear Dean, the magazine, and it comes out once a month. And it's, um, I usually write a couple articles, but I also have guest um, uh, contributors. And as a matter of fact, this month, Jennifer is a guest contributor, and it usually comes out on the 22nd of the month. And you can go to my, you can see me on Twitter at myronjclifton.com. There's a link to subscribe to the magazine. It's free. Uh, you can also see me on Facebook at Myron Clifton or Dear Dean uh, and on Amazon under my name where you can find my books. I have seven or eight or I have four novels and a short story collection, a bunch of other stuff. And of course, this podcast with Jen. So, so we are a multimedia, uh, we are multimedia mega company and we want everyone to re-listen to our stuff because we are the we're the best people in the world. One hundred percent. I mean, finally we agree on something, and mm-hmm. I think I think uh, I enjoy it. I know on your Twitter, if you're not following Myron on Twitter, I mean, he has some amazing followers, but he also has some really great insights that I mean just blow up. So um, check out some of his tweets. You'll you'll thoroughly enjoy some of the. Uh, absolute greatest information, sarcasm uh, that that you'll probably see from a Twitter account. Thanks, I appreciate that. So uh, follow us here. Thanks for listening. Share our show. 
Uh, rate us on um, wherever you rate podcasts. We are at, you know, we are at episode number, number, number 15. 15. Yes, we're making progress and we're going to go to 100. And by then we like to have taken over the podcast world. Yes. All right. Our so, names will be everywhere. Yep. It's good to chat with you, Jen. I'll talk to you later. And remember, everybody, don't go deep, just go shallow. Hello. Hey. Hello.